you're listening to A Labor for Love, the podcast that's all about helping moms find encouragement and hope through authentic, everyday stories of motherhood. I'm your host, Sierra Sullivan. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'll be sharing my conversation with one of my best friends, Alicia. So Alicia and I met during my sophomore year of college, and we've been friends ever since. One thing I've always admired about her is her wisdom, and she has the ability to help me see the positive in almost any situation. So a little bit about Alicia. She is married to Jason, and they have two boys, Quinn and Brooks. In our conversation today, we talk about Alicia's transition from being a mom of one to now having two boys, six years apart. Um, We also talk about what we're learning as parents and how we're taking care of ourselves right now. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Alicia. Hello. So you were actually one of the first people I interviewed on the blog when I started the Mama Spotlight series. Now that was back in May of 2020. At that time, you were an oncology nurse We were in the early stages of the pandemic, and you were the mom of one. So since then, what has changed in your life? Uh, Well, I changed positions, and I was pregnant, I believe, when you interviewed me the first time. And so now I have a toddler. What has it been like for you to go from a mom of one to now having two kids? Um, I think the biggest struggle right now, and obviously it changes, you know, all the time, but is Quinn is really independent. Um, you know, he'll entertain himself for long periods of time and he can shower for the most part on his own, get dressed and put his shoes on. And we're starting all over with a second one who's completely dependent on us. And along with that, we've kind of gotten away from having child-friendly things around the house, particularly breakables and things that can be swallowed. So like Quinn is really into Legos right now and he got six or seven lego sets for christmas and making sure that none of those pieces make it into the common area has been a full-time job um and there's all the other little things that we constantly find that he's eating that we then have to take and put in quinn's room as like a special toy how did quinn transition from being an only child to a big brother Well, he really wanted a sibling. I think he enjoyed being an only in ways that he didn't realize he enjoyed it. Um, You know, like his, he never had to share at home, whether it was us, his toys, his grandparents, like he was my parents' first grandkid. So he had um, a lot of attention and things that were solely his. But he did want a sibling and he prayed, like I said before, for two years for a sister. And thankfully he changed it to a brother. But 
I think his desire to have a sibling helped with the adjustment period because it was different than I anticipated um, in the aspect of like, I felt like I was constantly telling him, I need you to hold on right now because, you know, the baby needs this or the baby needs that. And shockingly, I was concerned, but um, he didn't have a ton of resentment. Every now and then he does make comments and says like, well, Brookie's always gets what he wants or why do I have to wait? Um, But outside of that, he does a really good job like playing with him and helping and he likes to be the second parent or I guess the third, um, you know, and trying to tell him what to do and keep him safe and redirect him. So he's, he's adjusted well. Obviously there's been roadblocks, but overall I think he's really enjoying having the sibling that he waited a long time for. Well, it sounds like it's been pretty easy for him to adjust to having a little brother. You know, we've known Quinn his whole life, and he's been really great with Jaden, even though there's a two-year age gap. You know, they've always played well together. Yeah, he he just loves people. <laughs> Drew, because honestly, Drew says the same thing. He always says how well he plays with Dallas. Because not, not all big kids or bigger kids play well with little kids. Um but Quinn's just happy to be in the company of somebody. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if they're bigger or smaller. As long as they play with him, he's happy. So as a mom of two boys, six years apart, what do you most enjoy about this stage of motherhood right now? I like, I don't know. I feel like the age gap is cute in the way that they interact. Um, and I'm sure, you know, some of it's pretty similar if their age was closer, but seeing like Quinn really be able to be helpful and enjoy being helpful. And then the way that Brooks looks up to him and tries to mimic every single thing lately, it seems like that Quinn has been doing um, good and bad. And um, just kind of watching their relationship really develop over the last couple of months. Um, right before he turned one you know they get really fun and finally really interactive and he started to um really enjoy playing with him like with toys instead of just kind of sitting there and playing next to him um in the same room so watching their interactions and the way that Brooks lights up when Quinn gets off the bus or when he wakes up in the morning and he sees him at the breakfast table has been really sweet. So you've talked about the challenges of having a toddler and making sure he doesn't put the wrong things in his mouth. Are there other things that are challenging right now? Um, I think anytime you add a second or third or fourth kid, like trying to find that balance in time, you know, that you can dedicate to both of them individually has been kind of tough, Um, especially when, like with Quinn, he's more independent. So it's easy to keep telling him to like, wait, hold on, because Brooks has no patience um, and doesn't understand wait. 
or just a second. So finding that balance and meeting both of their needs and not making it seem like, you know, Brooks is more important or comes first in certain things has been a little bit tougher the last couple of weeks as he's gotten more active. Um, and then like with Brooks in particular, we're just really struggling with food. He just, he's not a great eater. He would rather drink milk or nurse all day long. Um, so getting him to eat has been kind of a struggle that I, I don't remember that with Quinny. Just felt like it just naturally happened. He enjoyed food and ate pretty much whatever we gave him. And it's just not the case this time. Has that changed how you handle meals? I guess, like, how are you trying to overcome those challenges? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily changed how we handle meals. I still offer him most of what we have, unless it's, you know, something that he can't chew well, because he has um, a difficult time with a lot of solids, particularly meat. Um, he's just kind of gotten better the last couple of weeks, honestly, with not choking on food um, that's not pureed or chopped really finely. Um, so just kind of having options that we can offer him, even if he doesn't eat anything um, that works for his eating stage right now. So it's just been a balancing act of like giving him things that I know he'll eat, but also trying to have him practice eating things that either he's shown little interest in or he has a difficult time with. I want to transition our conversation a little bit and talk about self-care. I know for me, self-care looks different depending on life and what's going on. So in the midst of parenting, working, being a wife, you know, how are you taking care of yourself? Recently, as you know, because we've been doing it together the last like two months, um, I started working out again. Um, and just trying to get some type of movement in each day because I found that it's really helped relieve some stress. Mm -hmm. And like with my job being more physical this time around, it's really helping kind of ward off the aches and the pains that I experience after a shift. Um, and gives me like a boost of energy if I manage to do it the, the days before I go into work. Um, and I still enjoy a nice hot shower. Um, I went for a run today for the first time in probably two years, maybe a year and a half. No, no. Okay. Well, it's, that's longer. It's longer than that because the baby's only a year. <laughs> so at least two years, um, losing track of time. Um, and Quinn and I actually did that together. So that was kind of nice. Some alone time with him. He enjoyed that. He wants to do it again. So we might try and make it like our weekly bonding time. 
we'll see how that goes though. Um, I've also kind of been into, I just started this like maybe last week playing games. I used to love playing the Nintendo when I was growing up and Quinn has a switch that I've kind of stolen when he's not around and started playing one of his Mario games. And it just kind of helps me unwind at the end of the night. Um, I used to read. I haven't read since I gave birth, but while I was pregnant, I was reading at least a, a book a month. And eventually I hope to get back to that, but it just hasn't been high on the priority list lately. Like me, it seems like for you, self-care has varied depending on what life looks like. Yeah, I feel like we talked about that before. Um, just like having a variety of options is really helpful. Like finding different things that you enjoy that depending on where you are, you know, not only in life, but like physically or mentally that you can do to help you get that that time that you need to yourself to unwind. and always having options is a good thing. Another key thing I want to talk about is just where we find support as a mom. So I'm curious, where do you find your support? Um, I mean, I think we probably both agree that we get a lot of support from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really helpful to have a fellow mom who's in like a similar life stage or having someone that has a, you know, an older child that remembers what it is that you're going through has been really helpful. Um, and then my husband, but we have slightly different views on certain parenting aspects. So we've been coming to more common grounds lately. And then talking to my mom a lot has been helpful um, just because one, she's my mom, but, but two, we have very similar beliefs about like certain parenting components that I think are, it's important to have someone that understands like your point of view um, when you're trying to like bounce things off of them. Because if it's, it's totally different, then it, it might not be as helpful although it's good to have different perspectives, but when you're, you have a, a certain goal in mind for how you want to raise your children, it, it's good to have people with similar ideologies to bounce ideas off of. Can we dive into that just a little bit more? Like when you say parenting perspective or having certain ideas about parenting, what kind of things are you talking about? Yeah. So I think in that aspect, I probably talk to you the most about those things outside of Jason. Um, but again, his, some of his ideas are a little bit different. He's kind of coming to the dark side with me, but like as far as someone who sees things more from my perspective, I think that we both agree that it's probably me and you. Um, but just, I don't know. I think we talked about this before, but I try and, and parent from a 
place of like empathy and grace and remembering that like, yes, they're children, but they're little people with their own set of emotions and ideas and goals. And, you know, they're experiencing life and trials for the first time and they don't always know how to navigate those things. And so things that people would typically label as, you know, misbehaviors or disrespectful are just kids trying to work through these big life experiences and emotions that they don't have the knowledge or experience to pull from to handle. And so trying to keep that in mind and just giving them grace when we're correcting and guiding them is really important to me. And then remembering like, you know, how I like to be taught or spoken to when something that I've done wasn't correct. Um, You know, you don't want to be belittled or yelled at or hit or made to feel, you know, like you don't matter. And so trying to just keep that in mind with the interactions that I, that you, that I have with my children is really important for me. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about more recently, especially as our kids are experiencing, you know, those big emotions on a regular basis. I've had to rethink like how I engage with them and interact with them. And it's not always easy, but I can tell, you know, I get like little glimpses of it working. So like the other day, um, I can't remember what happened, but Jaden was talking to Skylar and he said, you can't hide your feelings from mommy and daddy. That's not good. You know, it's okay to talk about how you're feeling. And it was just really reassuring to hear him say that. And so like, I know we're doing something right. Yeah, I want them to express their feelings. So You know, for us, that was a little win this week. Yeah, that is, that's really important. I feel like so often we have a tendency to dismiss our children's feelings because what could they really be going through? Mm -hmm. But when you don't know any different, everything that you go through seems tough, you know, and for them, it is tough. It's the first time they're dealing with a lot of these things. And I don't know, it's just. I find it really encouraging when children feel like they can speak to their parents. And I know that it's not always easy when Quinn comes to us and tells us like, that's something we did hurt his feelings or, you know, it wasn't nice, but knowing that we've kind of fostered an environment where, where he feels safe enough to at least approach us and say that, you know, his feelings were hurt by something that we did was, is really important to me. And he'll be quick to correct us too. <laughs> like in the moment, sometimes if we do something like we'll say that Brooks is being a menace and he's like, well, that's not nice. You shouldn't make fun of people or you shouldn't call people names. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But he is being a menace in my head. <laughs> yeah, they're really good about calling you out. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, well, you just don't really understand. Like, I'm trying to justify it. Yeah, it's it's really easy to try and justify it in the moment. You're like, wait, okay, no, I guess you're right. Mommy needs to stop that. 
So transitioning a little bit again, you know, is there anything that you're looking forward to this year with your kids? The summer. <laughs> I feel like everybody looks forward to the summer. Um, but I know a lot of people really love schedules, but I am not a schedule person. I am very much a do it when I feel like it kind of wing it free spirit type of daily person like I don't really have a set time that I wake up or that I go to bed I don't like being restricted to only having certain hours available to take my kids to the park or to the zoo or to watch a movie like you are when you have um school or like right now I'm really struggling with the need to be home so Brooks can take a nap you know like everything works around nap time and it's right smack in the middle of the day so just having the increased flexibility of summer is something I'm looking forward to not having you know to worry about school and the confines on the schedule that school gives you and sunshine. I like sunshine. I guess I never realized that about you. Like I'm the opposite. Like I need structure. You know, I get up at the same time every day. I try to go to bed at the same time. And I guess I never really thought of you as like free spirited. And I also guess like if your husband is the opposite, which I assume he is, there has to be some sort of compromise, right? There is some compromise. and um and things that we can compromise in but like he's he wants to have like a set wake-up time and a set bedtime but for him I'm totally okay with him doing that and for the kids they have kind of their like routines that they have for you know school days versus weekends but I don't know just it makes me feel boxed in to have to agree to a schedule that is not supposed to change. Again, flexibility in my day is really important. And I never know how I'm going to feel after a shift. There are some days I come home after working and I'm okay with a two-hour nap and I'm good to go. And there are other days where I had a really long night and I'm just like, I need a solid four or five hours before I'm even really able to function. So if I only get two, then it kind of messes up the rest of the day's schedule. Because then maybe I want to go to bed earlier that night. Or maybe I took a second nap after dinner and now I'm up till midnight because I'm not tired. So I don't know. Night working, like, I guess you call it shift work it really messes up with your, it messes the internal clock up. Um, So like Jason's idea of having a set schedule, just it's not how my body likes to function. I think even with having like a set schedule, at least for me, there still has to be some flexibility because there's always going to be something that will change that schedule, right? I think that's one of the biggest things I'm learning right now as a stay-at-home mom. Like I can have an idea of what I want my day to look like, 
But I have to remind myself that there's going to be something that's going to throw a wrench into my plan. So I need to be able to just go with the flow when those moments happen. Yeah. And most of the time it's a little person. Exactly. (laughs) So to wrap up our time, I have one more question. What piece of advice would you give to the moms listening right now? We kind of touched on it in an earlier question, but it, it like comes back full circle in the whole idea of grace. Um, grace for yourself, because we're going to do things that make us sad in, you know, in the moment because we're imperfect and we have this idea of what we want, you know, our parenting or our marriage or other relationships to look like and sometimes we fall short of those and then understanding that to your spouse is imperfect so they have moments where they don't you know meet your expectations or their own as well as our children so just extending grace to yourself and others makes a huge difference in like the way that I feel when I remember that you know, nobody's perfect. We're all doing the best that we can with what we have in that moment. Um, just helps keep like the, the frustrations to a minimum. Then remembering that you can always try again. And that's what I've been talking to my son a lot about is, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. Only person who was ever perfect that walked the face of the earth was Jesus Christ, and none of us will ever come close to that. And so, remembering that no matter what someone else's life looks like or what you see someone else doing, they make mistakes too. You know, mommy and daddy make mistakes. You tell them, you know, grandparents make mistakes, your friends make mistakes, everybody makes mistakes. So, extending grace is one of the biggest things that we've been practicing and teaching in our home lately. Thanks for joining me this week on A Labor for Love. Remember to stay up to date on all things related to this podcast. You can follow on Instagram at A Labor for Love. If you're enjoying the podcast and what you're hearing, be sure to tell a friend. Thanks for listening.